shit. We are <laughs> right into it. Sorry. Yeah, we are. Eric <laughs> is goal oriented. Once again, my finger slipped. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh huh. I, I, I type it in uh, as soon as I get in every time. So when we're ready, I can just hit it. Ah, uh, um, that's smart. Yeah. Whoops. Well, welcome to Content Nausea. Oh, no. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Welcome. We're, we're hopping too. It's actually the opening. Here. Uh, welcome. You're listening Up to Content Nausea. Uh, are, we sure, are we sure this is a show? <clears throat> This is scheduled thirty minutes. This this is a show. Uh, my name is Eric. Uh, right now, as I stand in front of a crowd, uh, <laughs> after I've uh, just killed three fratty investment bankers, I insist it's not political. Don't worry about it. It's not political. There's nothing you can get out of this at all. <clears throat> to, to my <laughs> to my left stands uh, Connor, who has. Uh, just played some righteous air guitar and is going to uh not go to military school because he's he's gonna finish his goddamn history report with help from, <laughs> yeah with help oh. from uh Joan of Arc and uh Napoleon who's being kind of a dick but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, and Billy the that. Kid and, and Socrates. <laughs> you can't forget Socrates. Yeah. <laughs> to Connor's left is uh, Brooke, who is under suspicion of uh, murdering uh, a bunch of teachers. Uh, <laughs> uh, unfairly, uh, I, w- I might add, just because yeah. she did get caught for killing her dad all those years ago. Yep. Oh, fuck. When she, when she cut his brake lines. Yeah, just because I was hospitalized. I mean, come on. Why judge? Shock every day. Yeah. <laughs> Only 75 volts, though. It's not even... Yeah, just like some radio right. volts or CD player. It's, it's fine. A boombox gets more than that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, to... <laughs> to Brooke's left is uh, Miles, who is currently uh, fighting a big ripped jock who won't stop talking about his fluids for some reason. <laughs> this is a dry county. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and this is content nausea. Mm. Yeah, that's the the fluid you mean. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I I, oh, I didn't know what was happening, so I just kind of oh oh I that yeah, was I'm the only one here hasn't seen it. Incredible. I know. <laughs> I was using the movies I watched this week too. That was clever. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, we we need to keep that going. That was fantastic. That was really strong. Thank you. I was proud of that. This is the this is the and the metaphor episode where we will not be speaking directly about anything. <laughs> you get to it's like one of those like um stupid pieces of art where it's just like try to figure out all of the movie references. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. that's just what this we just do the references now. Yeah. Yeah. And if you if you if you listen to this show and pay close enough attention, you'll see a sailboat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Mel Gibson. If you look up in the background behind Connor, there is somebody hanging from a tree. It's it's pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. Wait, they're a little short. That I have Yeah, it movie. actually is me. I can I connect with that? If I also have a movie with a man hanged in it. Oh. What? Okay. You know okay. what? I, I I was making a Wizard of Oz reference, but okay. Yeah, 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 you were. <laughs> um 
if 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 you uh <laughs> if you play this podcast while you watch Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh it'll sync up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we've reached the end of this podcast. Yeah, this really oh, Eric yeah, would just run with this. This is beautiful. I really like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrific. Also, I think that Miles might be part of the blue ribbon. Yeah, you think? Maybe. I don't know. I regret not getting Ty the other night. This is what comes to. I have <laughs> no idea what this is. Dude, you fucking missed out on some, some great A Ty. Shout out to the sponsor of the week, uh, Wild Papaya in Kent, Ohio. Wild Papaya. That's my media wreck of the week. Is their uh, their mango fried rice? <laughs> oh my god, their mango they're, fried rice oh. out of this world. Oh yeah, yeah. I was kind of bummed I did not get the the mango and sticky rice because it's incredible there. Mm. But I was just I was full as is. Next time, if next you time, find a place to make you cashew sauce that you can then mix your rice into. Um, and you're not doing it right now. You're a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, quit being a fucking loser. God, get some tie and watch these all the time. Movies. Jesus yeah. Christ, get some tie and crack a cold one. Like no, that. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Beautiful. God, I should have one of my leftover yammy beers. Mm. Well, you always gotta have a good time. <laughs> what was that? Oh yeah, I gave a premium review before the show of con. To Connor, since I am his ginger beer plug, apparently. That's my guy right there. This is a (laughs) Trader Joe's seasonal special pumpkin pie spice ginger brew sparkling beverage. Ooh. It tastes like the triple ginger, but with pumpkin shit. That's about it. You've spoken to me on side of the sparkling, but I do like me some, some pumpkin and ginger shit. It is great. Sounds lovely. You know what's great? Certainly not cinema. Fuck that shit. But we're gonna talk That's about right. it anyways. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm <laughs> drinking the gingers to so I keep myself from vomiting. Hey, are you, are you ill again this week? Ginger for the ginger. Was I ill last week? I was ill. Ah, what? that was it. Yes. Being ill despite me being like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Much well, better. It's, it's... As Hillary Clinton once said, I feel great. <laughs> oh, man. The day she passed out on 9-11 and got thrown into a truck. <laughs> anyway, who's got some content? Yeah, do we want to open with the shared shit or do that later? Outside of our lovely references. Do it. We should probably explain the references so we can right. knock those right out of the way. Yeah, because yeah. I also need help with that. Yeah, there was a little content nausea viewing party the other day mm-hmm. with some, some Thai food and some uh, seasonally appropriate watches for the most part. Some some teen teen horror movies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I guess I'll just open with the fact that we started with Disturbing Behavior from 1998, which mm-hmm. I had seen before. This was something I brought up for us to watch because it is um, odd. Yeah, you had been on me to watch that for like a couple of years now, and I'm so glad to have finally had the opportunity. I was very happy to walk into this blind and to see this beautiful, beautiful work of art. 
Disturbing Behavior, starring James Marsden and Katie Holmes. Yeah, yeah, I had heard about this a few years ago. I was just talking about it with a friend, too, who saw it in theaters when it came out. We were talking about it today. Um, and it's like, I've seen a ton of teen movies from this era. This is probably my favorite, like, childhood era of teen movies outside of John Hughes shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one came and went so quick, because it's fucking weird. Um, nobody in it was super well-known yet. Um, and I don't know how to, like, fully... Uh, pitch this to somebody outside of it is like it's odd yeah but it's a good time it's worth it uh i don't know how much i mean the immediate comparison that you're going to want to make is the faculty yes so that should be your frame of reference for what kind of movie this is but it is also very different from the faculty yeah like as as silly as the faculty will allow itself to get this gets sillier Mm -hmm. yeah so i guess we should Say it starts off. James Marsden is moving to a new town after something mysterious hap- has happened with Ethan Embry, who mm-hmm. we see only in flashbacks. And he moves to this new new town with this honestly very cool school uh, that has a bunch of like weird punks and greasers and goths, uh, but also has a contingent of. Uh, creepy robotic jocks called the Blue for children yes yeah, for children yeah um and the the movie well it 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 opens with one of these step for children um <laughs> hmm. would anyone else like to take this i, I mean yeah i can i guess um because okay. we sort of discussed that i forgot how much of a unifying thing this is in the movie i just remember it twice not the three or four times it happens mm-hmm. um We've got these just unsettlingly clean-cut children. The movie opens with one in a car with some girl. It's basically like make-out point kind of thing. Make-out point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they're sort of going at it, but he just keeps stopping her. Going, I can't. I got a game coming up. I need my fluids. And it is... like That's the thing in this movie, is nobody talks like a, a human in this movie. Mm-hmm. At all. Um... And that he kind of goes apeshit. And I'll be honest here for this movie that this is the opening scene, basically. Um, he kills somebody for trying to go down on him because it is too much for him to handle. Mm-hmm. And then he kills a cop. Well, yeah. let's clarify real quickly. Not trying. She is successfully topping this dude up in his car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He kills her in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That would be probably the better way to put it. Because I'm like, it's happening, but it did not happen um, because she's just fucking taken out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and then he he steals the gun of the one cop in town who's also evil, and shoots another cop who finds the body. Yeah, all while being seen by a uh, properly alternative '90s Nick Stahl who leans so hard into his role. <laughs> mm-hmm. As dipshit stoner school who, guy. Who is yeah. really into giving, like, very specifically cadence. <laughs> with his. He best, talks with like his, a. His albino best friend named UV. Yes, his albino <laughs> best friend UV. I love the albino best friend. 
I at one point referred to them as Jay and Albino Bob, and I really think that that sticks pretty well. Yeah, that's not wrong. Because they are just stoned all the time, and they're like, boy, everybody's crazy here. Yeah. Connor, Connor how would you describe how uh, Nick Stahl is talking in this movie? He talks like Matthew McConaughey in The Beach Bum. <laughs> he's like a he's, he's like a, a beach poet. Yeah, like stoner philosopher kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. rapping about you know all like, the weird, all the freak scenes at the school. The mm-hmm. DNA lunchroom, man, you wouldn't get it. Those are car guys. This is their favorite music, and you're just like, all right, this is. And he paid, like he politely listens through like several minutes of this very weird pitch of let me explain everybody. Yeah, honestly, I can't believe that. Uh, James Marsden became friends with him after this because if somebody did that to me on my first day of high school, I would have I would never speak to them again. I don't know. I would kind of immediately befriend this guy. God, I would be very you, unsure. You know what? They they do have kind of an allure. Ah, uh, and then like Katie Holmes shows up, and despite him also shit talking her, they're good friends. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, which I have not seen goth Katie Holmes before, but I love her reasonably well. But you're into her, yeah. yeah I, I never would have believed that she'd be able to pull them off, but like all of her alternative roles are like my favorite things she's ever done. It's pretty good, like, like Pieces of April, Go, big fan. Yeah, so Marsden is in his new school, fit in, kind of doesn't really care to be there. But clearly there's something fucked up with the weird, like, clique of uh, very clean-cut children who do not process sex in any way but to completely fucking rage out. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I genuinely really enjoy the scene where some jock dude hits on Katie Holmes and just sees her, literally just sees her midriff and goes insane. Like, he pulled out a guy's nose ring. <laughs> Yeah, he did. <laughs> Just because he saw Mintra. Uh, yeah, that's, that's then, a part of this movie. Um, and, then, and then later on, uh, a different girl just looks at James Marsden's face <laughs> and goes crazy. That's enough for her to go insane. And you also have a very important um, side character who is the weird fucking janitor um, who's obsessed with the rat problem. Mm-hmm. Who I I can't figure out what the accent is. It's I have no idea. I mean, so it's William Sadler, as we discovered, who is best known perhaps as Death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Mm-hmm. I think is some sort of German. Mm. Okay, German. That's an interesting take. Quote me on that. And I, I mean, you could be right. I I genuinely could not tell you what this man's accent was. <laughs> I was just like like generic backwood freak. Yeah, like just, I don't I don't know. Just oh, <laughs> gotta hunt these rats. <laughs> gotta get rats. Just I'm just rats. like okay, man. Like, oh, sure. Find out he's cool because he reads Kurt Vonnegut. Mm-hmm. There's a great Vonnegut reveal scene, which is so fucking silly. Oh, man. And that is how he gets through to uh, teen James, Mar- James Marsden, is by knowing who Vonnegut is. You, you like her Vonnegut? Don't you ever that, just want to disappear, lunch boy? <laughs> the accent that I'm hearing is slightly Cajun. Oh, my God. Maybe he's Cajun. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's not far off. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Gotta um, go get down to bio. If, if, a little bit, yeah. If he was a little more boisterous, he could go for Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> God, yeah. There is, there is some stuttering. I could see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> you just have this school of, like, somewhat, like, mostly interesting kids. Like, Eric's probably right that it is just a bunch of interesting-looking people and then this weird alt-like group of preppy kids called the Blue Ribbons. And then something amiss is happening. It, it's very faculty-like, but is its own thing. Yes. Yeah. And, like, faculty, it also has its very stupid solution to this weird problem. <laughs> exactly. Like, like the faculty's uh, drugs that Josh Hartnett deals <laughs> that stop the aliens. Exactly. Uh, right. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> The, Let's go back to dealing drugs to save humanity. No, we'll talk about the faculty another day. Because we should totally watch that this season. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to watch the faculty in the next few weeks. Yeah, after watching this, it made me really want to watch it again, because I fucking miss the faculty. Yeah, we, we should all watch the faculty. Uh, I think you like that one, Miles. In this I one, don't even know what that is. Oh my god. It's a very goofy teen horror movie. From like the late '90s, early 2000s, and mm. the cast is just a joy. Like you've got little nerdy Elijah Wood. It's oh wow, Heath, uh, Josh Hartnett, Clea Duvall, mm-hmm. uh, Jordana Brewster, who is she's I don't know what she's things. known for. Uh, Fast and the Furious, maybe. I can say Debs. <laughs> yeah, Debs. Wow. Uh, There's like a very specific group of people that'll be like, yeah, okay, I know who that is. John Stewart <laughs> plays a teacher. Yeah, there's a lot of famous teachers. Usher's in it for some fucking reason. Usher was in a lot of 90s movies. In a lot of 90s movies. Um, yeah, but I do kind of love the concept of just like goofy but oddly serious 90s teen horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one does well, but it did kind of come and go. Like, I yes. don't think it has a huge audience. It deserves one. It's, it's a lot of fun. fun. It's very fun and very silly. But I I understand also why it didn't capture the cultural heartbeat. Yeah. I will but say yeah. uh, very fun music. Mm-hmm. Flagpole yes. They're, yeah. They're, the, the flagpole set a needle drop is one of cinema's greatest moments. I, <laughs> while they're escaping an insane asylum, flagpole set starts playing. I'm still thinking about it. That's it's, really dumb and really funny at the same time. It's really funny. Man, I used yeah. to love that song. I think I hate it now, I'll be honest. What do you mean used to? That song I fucking rocks. I love that song. I th- because I think that's all I listened to for like a month when I was like 10. That tracks. Yeah. You were so much cooler back then. I, I know, man. I had shoulder length hair. I uh, you could have been I listened to Nirvana. I do, I do love looking at the reviews for this movie and somebody's just like, release the Nutter cut. <laughs> what? David Nutter. I, I hope there's an, there is a, maybe there is like a, a secret cut out there or some shit that didn't get make it in. Which I could totally buy because it feels like they really start a lot of things that could make more sense if they spent time with it, but they just don't. And I kind of respect that in a weird way, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, a little more clarity might be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It's one that when it started, because it's been like 
four or five years since I've watched it. Um, all I kept thinking was, oh, this could go very bad. <laughs> nah, it was yeah, delightful. I, all the fights in this rule. There are so many fucking fights in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of gut punching, which I did not realize until you said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they love punching each other in the gut, kneeing each other in the gut. Uh, just really beating the shit out of each other, these teens. And Bruce, Bruce Greenwood, who also uh, fought James Marsden with some gut punches. Yeah, this was... it's it's real silly and perfect for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was very funny and silly, and we followed it up directly with something that good call made a lot of sense. Yeah, I uh, we were watching at my place, so we had access to my big bookshelf full of movies, and I felt that the the logical next step there was uh, a pitch theatrical debut, uh, cutting class, nineteen eighty nine. Directed by, it was a very dumb name, but I cannot remember it right now. But it's your standard, you know, high school slasher movie where teachers and students start going missing. Just at the same time as a psychologically damaged kid who may have killed his dad returns to school. But, you know, could it really be so obvious that it's the crazy guy? Brad Pitt, as a basketball-playing himbo, has some anger issues. <laughs> and the teachers that he hates are frequently the ones that end up getting murdered you know there's a lot of twists and turns to this narrative and I will even say like just outside of Brad Pitt who is very fun in this movie um, the adults in this movie are great like Ooh. dirty old man principal Roddy McDowell and God, pedophile Roddy McDowell is amazing <laughs> diligent father Martin Mull <laughs> Mm-hmm. Martin Mull, who gets uh, spends most of the movie just crawling through dirt. <laughs> he's maybe my favorite part, which is hilarious because he's like he really is just a background man for so much of this, but he tries so hard. Mm-hmm. He gets found by a bloodhound and somehow still doesn't get found by another human being. I mean, there's like a field trip around his almost dead body, and nobody hears him. For context, he gets murdered. He gets shot with a bow and arrow within the first five minutes of the movie. You assume he's dead, but then for the rest of the movie, it'll cut to him every 20 minutes or so, desperately trying to find help. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. You just see him, like, walking through reeds, crawling, uh, dealing with a bunch of people who don't notice him. Mm -hmm. That is pretty funny. Yeah, it's good. And I know, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this movie on this podcast before, so I don't know how much new there is to say, from me at least, but it's just a really good uh, overlooked school horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun, it's gnarly really kills. Good. Yeah, I was going to say, really good kills yeah. um, to ruin things, but a great trampoline kill, which I am always supportive of. The trampoline Yes, trampoline and impalement. Um, yep. And a great soundtrack, which was created by Wall of Voodoo. Oh, well, that oh, that's right. Yeah, that's very important to me and me alone. Oh, man. Yeah, it was very fun. I'm glad we watched it. I'd wanted to see it for a while, but it honestly was better than I thought it would be. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
and we got to see the unrated version, so we really got to see all the kills and all their detail. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah official friends of the show, Vinegar Syndrome. Knocking <laughs> <laughs> it out of the park. I mean, it's basically a Vinegar Syndrome fan cast at this point. I mean, my portion of the show is, at least. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. No, it, it's, they're, they're good. And, uh, oh yeah, Jill Sholin was the main character. Uh, Martin Mull's daughter. She was great. She's, she's a good um, underrated scream queen because she's also really good in uh, Stepfather and Popcorn. <laughs> popcorn is a delight, which we should maybe do before the season's out. Uh, probably. She also has such a high voice at some time, some points that I thought it was fake, but we watched we she watched an interview with her like now. But she has the voice of like a ten-year-old girl. Still yeah. to this day, mm-hmm. yeah, that was our that was our horror athon day. I think it was a good start to the season. We'll probably Absolutely. be watching shit ton of horror soon. The way I see it, it, leading with back to school horror movies, you know, school based stuff is a great way to pivot. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Also, it feels very appropriate for the fact that like schools are still in session, irresponsibly so. Yeah, are there any school school back to whole, back to school horror movies about diseases? There's got to be. There will uh, be within the next few years. Oh boy, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> That's wait. That's way to say it. Yeah, uh, you're, you're 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 correct. <laughs> say, there's, a, there's a lot of really good like STD horror movies. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a few. There are a few of those. You know what? Close yep. enough. Anybody want to take the reins from here? I have watched so much stuff that I pra- I don't know where I should go. All right, uh, Miles. Since we've all been talking, let's let's hear what you've got. You ever Check watch Mel Gibson movies by accident? Uh, Let me talk to you about a great phenomena that's striking viewers of Amazon Prime across America. Oh, this is a really big setup for saying I watched Apocalypto because I was bored. I saw that you did that. I'm I'm very excited to hear it. So I went in pretty much blind, except for I knew it was historically based, supposedly, to an arguable degree. I didn't know how much. didn't know how little. I checked reviews saying that, I think it was Spike Lee or Spike Jones, whoever teaches their class, said it was one of the most important movies for action, and you need to watch it. Uh, bullshit. <laughs> 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 the first act is good. The rest of it, you don't need. To, it, it's generic. It's fine. So, have any of you watched it? No. no. Yes. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I saw that when it came out <laughs> in two thousand six. Something like that. I, it might have not. Might not have been like right when it came out, but I saw it not too long after, and then never again. Because it's actually been unavailable for a long ass time, so yeah, the fact that Prime has it in HD is pretty exciting. Yeah, oh, don't get me. Uh, well, DVDs here's the thing. Are really like thirty bucks. I don't know what camera they chose, but it looks weird. Like it's very clearly like it moves too smoothly. It's almost like that when you see the uh, IMAX 4K version of the last Will Smith movie. 
Oh, so it's oh, like it's a frame yeah. rate choice. It looks like that, but worse. Like bad, like normal frames, but still looks weird. It's. I I I think of this as um. Uh, soap opera vision. Yeah, it, it yeah, was it's, soap it's opera. A weird looking movie because there's a weird filter over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That was I want to say early digital cinema. Yeah, it was a digital camera. Oh, yeah, the look of it I remember being odd. And I couldn't tell if it was intentional or just like. Apparently, it was intentional. It, it wasn't a cheaply made movie. It was a no. It was a blockbuster. Quote it was a cast of thousands. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it was, you know not to bury the lead, but this is a Mel Gibson movie. Yeah, well, that's already... exactly what I said. Okay, yeah, I couldn't hear. Um, yeah. He had already like made some shit that made bank. Obviously, Passion of the Christ. So he's mm-hmm. he's got. Money. Because I, I believe his Passion of the Christ follow-up. Yes. I believe so, yeah. All right, let me pause well, and actually say a couple things in its favor. One, there's not a lick of anything besides Yucatan Mayan, to my knowledge, in this film. Everyone learned to speak Mayan. That's pretty that's good. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Movie in the language that's not really used in cinema. That's pretty awesome. The prosthetics... Really good. I would never have known that all of those dudes had fake ears. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, they did a really good job. I want to commend those guys because, and also the casting was pretty solid too. Like, yes, I don't speak Mayan, but the visual acting for most of the actors was pretty good. I wish I would see them in more things, honestly. Especially, uh, oh, let me see, not the lead, but uh. Basically, the two villains I liked quite a bit. Just they were fun villains. But looking at this cast list, I'm pretty impressed that he committed as much. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. Except a couple problems I noticed immediately because I enjoy history too much. One, Mayan Empire didn't exist at that point, it would have been like gone. For a few hundred years, like it, and also they didn't really do the blood sacrifice thing outside of like prisoners of war. That's more Aztec. So it's kind of a dumb. Hey, we got it accurate, but no, you didn't. Because why do the Spaniards <laughs> show up at the fucking end of the movie <laughs> in nine hundred? <laughs> so like. Beyond sort of like well, actually, historical correction stuff. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. Yeah. So broadly speaking, first... what is it about again? Basically, and this is more problems again with the accuracy, which I know won't bother most people, but if you think about it, it will. Tribal community that speaks the same language as some foreign city state that they don't even know about. That, uh, tribal people, anyways. I'm getting ahead of myself. They live in the village. There's some. The first act is really great at establishing this village community and this sort of jungle tribal aspect. It's like, hey, we hunt. This is where we live. This is how we do things. And then you see the one guy. He's like, we're running away. They trade fish for meat, and that's the end of the scene. But the plot of the movie gets kicked off when a raiding party captures a bunch, like destroys the village. Captures all the men and most of the women. Kills everyone else except for like some children that follow along crying for like 
a quarter of the film. And they're being taken back to, I forget, the, the main Mayan city to get sacrificed to their gods because uh, there's a drought. That's And the main character has to escape because his wife's trapped in the cave with her little son. That's it. That's the plot. Is get trying to get back and survive. Okay. Which, granted, there's some really nice individual scenes, but when you put it all together, it just kind of felt all right. I'll say, I'm so, yeah, I'm so surprised how many people are giving it like five stars from what I'm seeing. Like a lot of people seem to love this, mm-hmm. but at the same time, what I know about Mel Gibson's movie career is that like. There will be like spots of something interesting that's like rooted in an actual event or culture or whatever. So that oh, is there's plenty of that. That's what kept me watching. Yeah, but then you've got the whole other element to it that instead of writing a thoughtful story or like a super coherent story, he just leans so hard into the action that you're just kind of like, if you're an action person, then you fucking love it. Well, that's but the like, thing. I like smart action, and I, I again, it's the thing you said. There's smart pieces. Like second act, he cut the he has been stabbed. He's the only one of his tribe that escaped the city by luck and by crook. And mm-hmm. he's decided, oh, I'm gonna do the MacGruber thing or MacGyver. May as well be MacGruber. <laughs> and he just grabs this poison dart frog and starts like poking with these tw- little sharp sticks. And you realize, oh, he's gonna shoot this dude with the poison dart frog arrow. That's cool. And that scene happens. So, like, that's cool. And then it just kind of meanders off for a second. And then there's another cool thing. And I, there's like emotional weight for a second. And then you kind of just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another thing. It, it goes like that for the whole movie. It doesn't feel broken up. It hits all of those basic story notes. And I don't... I didn't get anything more than I needed out of it other than that's a movie. Except for the language part in the casting. I thought that was cool. Are you aware of the uh, the single frame in the movie in which Waldo appears? <laughs> yes, I am. I found out about it after. There's yeah, a or, that really? or the Mel Gibson cameo. Yeah, the half a frame Mel Gibson cameo where he's just smoking a cigarette. I'll put both of those in the chat for the unaware. But oh, thank you. I need to look those, at those because I didn't both see of those frames appear in the movie. That's funny. oh, oh, that's where that came from. Yeah, I've seen the bottom one. <laughs> <laughs> wow! You really should see these images if you're listening. The Mel Gibson ones, yeah, look them up. Fascinating. I mean, I hate that he's kind of charismatic while also being such a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, being kind of charismatic is basically how he gets away with being a huge piece of shit all the time. It's true. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that's their celebrity crush. Yeah, no, basically the whole movie, I was just thinking those are Aztecs. Those are Aztecs, even though they weren't. Uh, I will be honest about that, which is so pedantic. It's so stupid. Don't let that my personal nitpick stop you from watching a movie. Just don't watch it because it's Mel Gibson. Don't give him money. If you want to, like, cough, cough, get it someplace. Mm-hmm. You don't or pay if you have Amazon Prime. I mean. if, if you want it to pull off a truck. Yeah, exactly. I don't don't judge you for that. Or just watch some clips on YouTube and say that was cool. Just look up the 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 single screen cap of Waldo. (laughs) Yeah, that's really (laughs) all you need. But what you do need to watch is the Vast of Night. 
Mm. Another Prime. Actually, Prime exclusive. This is probably one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. Mm. It's really up there. It's it's essentially an hour and a half, maybe two hour Twilight Zone episode. Actually, it's 91 minutes. A 91 minute episode of the Twilight Zone. Nice. Cool. It, the opening shot it knows what it is, too, because it... Uh, they have, like, the Phantom Parallel or something like that. Like, the opening shot's an old TV. TV show turns on. You kind of get, oh, this is the show, and you go in, and then there's the shot. And it kind of, like, in the first half of the movie will kind of take you back out to static and then back into the show, or movie in this case. It's a classic Southwest, there's aliens in the sky movie. Okay. But it's a much slower burn and a lot more enjoyable for me at least because it really centers around two characters. A just gotten out of high school radio jock and his friend who is a phone operator like plugging in the soundboard kind of stuff. And the first 20 minutes of that movie is just them running around the high school interviewing people with a little um yeah, recorder, like one of the early tape decks, trying to make sure recordings that slowly crawls into someone calling in on the phone saying, hey, there's a light up in the sky. And it kind of goes from there as you start hearing stuff, messing with the radio, and it's just the two of them going back and forth trying to figure out what's going on. If there was a group of people I'd recommend it to, it's you three. I mean, I like UFO shit, so I'm already, my ears yeah. are perked. Interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. Teen radio UFO stuff sounds amazing. Yeah, that's checking off a lot of boxes for me, I'm going to yeah. be honest. The best part about, or the thing that got me literally going, yes, yes. Like, I did do that I, because there's this one part where a person who knows something about something calls the radio station and the audio starts clearing out and the screen just slowly fades to black and just focuses on that dialogue for like three minutes, no cutaways. It's just him listening to this guy tell a story. It's good storytelling. Like yeah. I said, I just threw it on my watch list. Jake Horowitz, the uh, main actor mm-hmm. on this. You know what he's going to be in uh, upcoming? I don't. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Castle Freak, which uh, oh fuck, Connor talked about recently. Well, no. mm-hmm. Don't tell me they're remaking Castle Freak. Yeah, they're, they're making Castle, Castle Freak, Freak with the guy from Somebody Bastard Night. has been reading my emails. <laughs> you know, I will say another point in this movie's favor. This is a pretty much a no one cast. There's no one I can think of who's been in anything major just browsing through the cast. This is like everyone's first real movie. That's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so... If you want to see some hopefully up and coming actors in the cool scene, that's uh, this is your movie. And also, it's fitting. It's near Halloween. This is another good transition movie into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have two more things I'll try to get out of the way quickly. Well, this one especially quickly. I watched American Ultra. Oof. How was that? Oh, okay. Don't watch it. It, it pr- I was promised so much more fun than I had. I was kind of excited for this when it came out because I loved them both in Adventureland. And this is just so... Oof. Can we get a fuck Max Landis going real quick? 
Oh yeah, by the way, fuck Matt Landis. God, fuck that dude. Yeah, that was I saw Sorry. that at the end of the movie. I was like, oh that makes sense. <laughs> Alright, so you've seen it, Brooke. So mm-hmm. you understand what I my pain when I say oh, yeah. it's it could be so much funnier. Like the cast is incredible. There's a lot of really good people in this, and you're just kinda like, huh. All right. Yeah, I mean, Jesse Eisenberg, Kristen Stewart. All right, could work. Mm-hmm. Topher Grace is the main villain. Okay, should Fine. be good. And Walton Goggins is in there. Oh, also, oh, we, I, you know what? I just realized we'll transition out of mine to a shared watch. I think some of us had with John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. Then in this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just. You see the concept. Okay, stoner action comedy. This dude is actually, like, been brainwashed into being a spy. Except he's not. Great. That's a movie. Mm-hmm. And that's just not. So I felt like I should celebrate that by with a f- happy, fun, loving movie. Like Mississippi Burning. I fucking love Mississippi Burning. I think it's really fun. I do like <laughs> I really like Mississippi Burning. It's really good. I always Early feel like the You got your Gene Hackman too. Those two together are, is so good. Yeah, I mean, sure, they do have the same scene of them just saying like, "Ah, oh, you're too strict. You're too," and I, it was fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is uh, do either of you two, Eric or Connor, have any notion of this movie? I know, I I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. it right. Is it? I I I think it's about like KKK segregation stuff. Pretty um, much, yeah. It basically the premise is, uh, three civil rights workers go missing in a, a Mississippi town. They like get arrested for something. They get let out, and they never showed back up on the mm-hmm. face of the earth. So it's just the increasing FBI investigation into finding these three missing persons in okay. 60s Mississippi and just what happens to the town and realizing the conspiracy and how to get the guys who did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But again, Steph Cast, Defoe, Hackman, Francis McDormand's in here. Mm-hmm. We got Arlie Emery, Brad Dorif. I mean, it's so good. It's well acted. It feels good of the time. It, it doesn't lean too much. I mean, it leans into it in the way that it has to, but it doesn't feel campy or cheesy. No, it's even got like an early Michael Rooker role in there. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously so good in that kind of like backwoods, gross idiot kind of way. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure he spoke about how he doesn't, he kind of hated those kind of people when he was growing up, but he knows how to challenge channel that God. character to kind of show what he hates. He seems like a good guy in person, but yeah, he's one of those people that he can do it if he needs to. Yeah, and he does pretty well, actually. I, I do want to sing the praises of Hackman, though. He is the heart and soul of that movie. So good in that movie. Fuck, I want to watch this again soon. I just, I'm not that kind of person, but if I had to pick a, like, a character type, Hack the hackman of this movie is kind of up there. Just like the charismatic way he just kind of rolls around town. 
Because you've got the, the big difference between the two. And it is, it leans a lot on, like, sort of well-tread oh, trope. It, but, it like, incredibly well-tread. The writing's good, the direction's good, and the acting is fantastic. So it makes it not boring. Like, it makes it work. But Dean Hackman is, like, he's been at it a long time. He, you know, he's an old-school FBI guy who, like, came from a more fancy, tr- like, background. Like, he mm-hmm. just came up with, like, a local law enforcement. So he's... Yeah, in he Mississippi. Can the good old boys, whereas mm-hmm. Defoe is this, like, brand-new, hotshot, like, liberal I think he's from Oxford. Like Yeah, so... He does not understand these small town idiots in the way that they do things. So he treats them like shit and wonders why they don't like him or won't cooperate. <laughs> and it's like, dude, come on. Um, whereas Hackman, Hackman makes it happen. He's so fucking good. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I would have liked this movie if I, if it hadn't been Hackman and Defoe together. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. This one's a, another hearty recommend. It's a nice even balance of things I hated versus things that were actually good. I will say it's funny still to hear 80 synth in my 60s civil rights movie. I know, but it's, you know, the wonderful Alan Parker who directed The Wall and The Commitments. I didn't even realize that. Damn. Uh, I think now might be a good time to transition to a mid-podcast shared viewing on the digital space. Digital space. That's right. Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> Romeo say, plus Juliet. By, by all means, please talk about it. But, but I am looking at a tweet that it will be on in like yeah, an hour, I, and I, I shall was, be watching it. Really? <laughs> Brooke, I was just going to reveal that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to put the chat. I was like, I don't want it to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be on at 11 tonight, uh, Eastern time. So ready. Mm-hmm. All right. Who saw it here besides me and Eric? Did you see it, Connor? Uh, I have seen it. Was this like a vapor cut? Or yeah, it was, was a vapor cut. Okay, so I've not seen the vapor cut, but I have seen Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, this was <laughs> Romeo plus Juliet by our friends at Racer Trash. Oh my gosh, Eric. That was so fun. It was really fun. They really went hard into like the whole music video. Uh, it was nonstop music the entire time. Um, there was like... like I, I I have the playlist saved. There's so many songs. Uh, it's nutty. Yeah. Yeah, see. that I had the pleasure of sharing that with a couple of my other friends. Just streamed it and like, hey, I'm gonna watch this. And <laughs> watching someone's experience with a vapor movie for the first time, vapor trash movie, is really funny too. <laughs> I was gonna say, for as much as your friends don't necessarily seem to love watching movies all the time, I think they could get behind this shit. Oh, they loved oh. it. So once I saw it, loved it. The, it was a lot of what the fuck? How does this exist? Why is Leguizamo <laughs> so hot in this one movie? Well, not just this one. <laughs> yeah. I, that Jesus shirt. No. <laughs> okay, so it was a three hour and 47 minute Spotify playlist that was condensed to, I, I, I would say it was about an hour long. I'm not sure. I think it was about two. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Yeah, hour and a half. Because there's also 30 minutes of Dune trailers. Yeah, yeah. There was a long, (laughs) long, long, long uh, piece of Dune. Like, everybody cut their own Doom trailer. Which, uh, (laughs) I enjoyed that as much as the movie. Yeah. Every time a new one came on in the Twitch chat, the the people running it would be like, all right, this is the last one. And then another one would start playing. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, okay, I caught a later viewing because I wasn't available until like one o'clock in the morning when it showed. So I got lucky there. Man. Yeah. Yeah. What can we gonna... say? But it was a vapor movie. Also, yeah. Juliet blew her brains out with a gun. Yeah, that is that is what happened. <laughs> God, I love Buzz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. That is a fun movie. That movie fucking rules. I had to watch it in English class in high school when we were reading Romeo what? and Juliet. Yep. What? Same, same, same for me. Re- and I think Brooke too, right? Yeah, we had a new like sub in, and she was just like, "I love this movie. We're gonna watch this." And I was like, "All right." Movie <laughs> fucking sucks. My my AP English teacher showed us that movie. It's amazing. As I didn't go to school, this was my first experience. With have this. you not seen it at all? No, I wasn't really aware of it. Ooh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, Leguizamo in this is mwah. Oh yeah, God, John Leguizamo is Tybalt, uh, beautiful, uh, and uh, the guy from Lost as Mer- Mercutio. Oh, the whole there's yeah, a Mercutio whole was my favorite part when I saw yeah. this. He was yeah. really good. The... He he when he showed up, <laughs> they did cut in a bunch of uh, him yelling about Walt uh, from his time <laughs> on Lost. <laughs> I think it was every time he said Walt. Yeah, I think it was. Which is uh, incredible. Every time Paul Rudd showed up, they just cut in other Paul Rudd stuff. <laughs> there was a whole Prince video in there. Like, uh-huh. they just stopped it and just played, like, uh, when the doves cry. It was when doves cry. They should have just yeah. put Prince in that movie. They probably asked him to write a song, and he said no. So they're like, okay, Radiohead. They probably asked him to be Mercurio. <laughs> like, or, no. Uh, he already did Batman. <laughs> Yeah, no, that ruled. Mm-hmm. And with uh, uh, someone Jamie take the wheel as one of the Montagues was pretty good. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. It was like that whole cast is just very fun. Yeah, it, there's yeah. a bunch of who's eating Gilbert great flips. Mm-hmm. Oh god, of course there is. Mm-hmm. I did you get any like Spaceman Paul Rudd? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I always love that he's in that for like a scene. Yeah, it's really funny. He well, he he's yeah, he's in a couple scenes, and every time they show up, they just start pulling in like other Paul Rudd clips, which was very fun. What was the <laughs> bit they did when they first introduced him, where he was like unfuckable? <laughs> I oh, tried. Yeah, that was really funny. God, it, basically, it went to like a whole Twitter IM where Paul Rudd's talking about how hot he is, and then a version of Rob- Juliet was just saying unfuckable. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh the music was really good though. Uh it was obviously all over the place. Uh there was uh the like rap band horror. Uh from, Oh yeah, horror was on. That. Yeah, horror. Uh I've seen footage by Death Grips Death came Grips. in. Uh they they did a super fucked up slow to I, was it slow down or sped up version of the weekend that in your eyes? I think it slowed down. Uh, Mikulu was there for five seconds. There was Todd Rundgren in there. <laughs> That's surprising. Yeah, near the end during I think one of the car chases, they played "North North" by Vince Staples. That was good. That's right. <laughs> yeah, really good soundtrack. I I yeah I, I did find the 
playlist that I saved because someone shared it in the um in the Twitch chat. Yeah, I think I'll be aiming to watch that tonight. I'm excited. I will also probably try to catch a peek. Yeah, it's one of those. I I know it doesn't make sense that like they could put these out in some capacity, but I wish they would. Same. I, if anything needs a 4K restoration in 10 years, (laughs) of course, it's all of these. Get away with fair use for all this, but you know, oh, it's easy. You just uh, you ship them to uh, some country in East Asia and just uh, post them online. Mm Mm-hmm. This is truly a transformative work. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I would say that absolutely for most of these. They're also gonna, like I said, I, I still believe that they are the future of cinema and the concept that they could just rehab movies that did not do so hot, like Super I, Mario Brothers. I think it's its own thing. I think it should. The closest thing you'll ever see a ship boat to be art. Yeah, yeah, it's postmodern right. cinema. It is. <laughs> And we're all richer for it existing. <laughs> I'm very happy to uh, to be able to witness these people doing their work. It feels like a gift. Yeah, there is a thing they just posted that I don't like. I want to play with so bad right now, but it's just going to make a bunch of noise. Um, that <laughs> is is that what I heard for a second? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was all excited, and I was like, "Oh no, no, another time that I'll share it for us later." But yeah, God, God bless. <laughs> Racer Trash, they're our best friends that don't know we exist. Well, Eric, since you're the only other one who watched it live, do you want to pick up the reins? Alright, yeah. Other than Romeo and Ju- Romeo plus Juliet this week, which was Friday night, I want to say, uh, that same night, I watched with my family, The Joker. <laughs> uh, my my Parents wanted to watch something on HBO, and my dad suggested suggested Joker because he hadn't seen it. So we watched that, and uh, I will say about this movie, it is visually extremely pretty. The set design and the like, the camera work on this movie and the color is all great. Uh, the rest of the movie is so fucking boring and stupid, and I hate it. It is. I mean, I'm. I don't want to talk about the plot of the joker because if you don't know it well we don't want to inspire anything in our listeners either you know this is dangerous stuff yeah uh joaquin phoenix is a sad loner who has the world's stupidest neurological disease uh that makes him <laughs> laugh uncontrollably and that's why the joker laughs he's also uh, a very bad stand-up comedian who doesn't know how like jokes work he doesn't know what a punchline is he just says things he says things until he laughs he he just says things and then uh what this movie's really bad at is telling you when he's um like hallucinating that something's good happening uh but you can tell sometimes which is like when people laugh at his jokes or think he's cool uh because the rest of the movie communicates to you very clearly that he is a piece of shit loser that nobody likes. Uh, And he lives with his mother who thinks that uh, she had an affair with uh, Thomas Wayne. He gets beaten down several times, first in the opening scene by some teens who want to steal his uh, sign because he's working as a clown. 
uh, doing sign spinning for someplace that's going out of business. And then he curls up into a little ball on the ground, like a Bakugan. He he has a little business card that says, "Please excuse my laugh. I have a I have a I have a disease that makes me laugh." Pretty boring movie. The most interesting parts of the movie are probably in the last ten minutes. So he just keeps getting beaten down and shit on by everyone. He gets fired uh, because he brings a gun to a children's hospital. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty funny. I was going to say, I'll cop to the fact that, like, it sounds like both of you have seen this, but I know Connor and I did the same thing where we just watched, like, three or four scenes. Yeah, I have a, I had a file with, like, hard-coded Korean subtitles that I got, like, a day after it came out. <laughs> And I have only seen about 15 minutes of that, and that is all the Joker I've witnessed. Yeah. Just just the 15 <laughs> minute bits we saw, because we saw the, the stairs thing, which is the big scene that a lot of people talk about, and, and the end. Yeah. Set and to, we're just kind of like, huh. Set to known pedophile Gary Glitter is rock and roll. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh-huh. So there's no fucking way that's what that was set to no, when they shot. Impossible. No. Dance does not sync it, up at all. It doesn't match up one bit. I ha- I have to know what they originally thought that song was going to be, but I also don't care at all. <laughs> Thomas Wayne keeps coming up on screen and going like, "Listen, just because I made something myself and these poor idiots didn't, these clowns." He calls these people clowns. Don't tell me they said, cl- "Oh my god!" Because he god. Could, this movie couldn't be more on the nose. <laughs> uh, god, yeah. Um. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> fucking stupid movie. I, I'm so glad we just did the like, the highlights reel. <laughs> yeah, uh, not not worth it. Every like so, so much of this movie has been criticized already. Just on its face, the idea that De Niro is supposed to be like a Letterman figure mm-hmm. is such a hard sell. It is. It like he does not fucking feel like a late night host at all. No, he's just in there. He's just in there, so you can be like, "Remember King of Comedy?" Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. that's that's it. That's yeah. just a reference to a better movie. Oh, much better movie. Watch that, guys. Yeah, but even at the end, when he's like dancing on top of a cop car in front of this crowd who is rioting for political reasons, it's extremely funny to me because he's just like, "Oh, I just want people to like me." <laughs> that's like that's all of his motivation. Oh, God. Uh, my mom was right when she said, it's just a sad movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic parental review. Yeah. Uh, sorry I spent so much time on Joker. I just, there's so much happening. Uh, That's okay. We have to segment at least 20 to 30 minutes to let you talk about comic books. Yeah, we need the DC update every week anyway. Yeah, I'm continuing to watch Doom Patrol. It's very good. Oh, I did see Danny the Street Miles, like you were asking about last week. Oh Very yeah, good. yeah, the yeah, non-binary street. Yeah, non-binary uh, sentient street that teleports around. Very cool. Cute moments uh, where a kid dressed as a robot comes to uh, have a dance battle with uh, Brendan Fraser's character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At which point, Brendan Fraser says he's seen Flashdance eighty-seven times. <laughs> Oh, are you sure? I'm gonna love this show. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. Have you seen the hair guy yet? Oh yes, the beard hunter. He is he is <laughs> a he is a classic villain of the Doom Patrol who is uh, sexually aroused by beards and 
if he eats beard hair, he will gain all of your knowledge. <laughs> Including the ability to completely defeat you in hand-to-hand combat. Uh, he can't grow a beard himself, I should mention. He has a glandular problem. God damn. I'm scared to watch this because I feel like it can't possibly live up to everything you've told me about it. I hate I, to say it. Every time Eric brings it up, I feel like we're missing things. And I haven't watched it in a minute. I, I'm, de- I'm definitely leaving stuff out. It's, it's very good. Uh, if I may say, Connor, to dissuade your fears, this is the closest thing I could think of to a superhero Danger 5. Nice. You know what? Probably, yeah. Uh, but to move on from Doom Patrol, which is still excellent, and you should still watch it, I watched Jojo Rabbit, which was also good. It's a funny and sweet movie, but at the same time, maybe a movie about uh, how the not like humanizing Nazis isn't what we need. Uh, no, super hot take. Yeah, uh, but maybe maybe having Sam Rockwell be the the good like caring alcoholic Nazi isn't exactly what we need right now like i I know that it's satire like obviously but it is Mm -hmm. one of those it did not seem to do the right framing like something like the producers did yeah yeah like the the very beginning i think like kind of nails it where they're at the summer camp um and Mm -hmm. sam rockwell is like one he has a fake eye because he lost it uh and he's just drunk the whole time. And then so much. Uh, the main character steals a hand grenade and accidentally uh, gets himself a little bit blown up. That was fun. <laughs> uh, Stephen Merchant shows up as a member of the Gestapo, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I will say Scout Johansson is the one, like, unequivocally, like, not a Nazi in any way because uh, she's hiding a Jewish girl in their attic. Uh, and she's also constantly doing fun bits and being kind of mean to her young Nazi child, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much else to say about Jojo Rabbit. I watched the Bill and Ted uh, franchise today. Nice. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Excellent three movies. Excellent. Uh, Bill and Ted's <laughs> Excellent Adventure, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and Bill and Ted Face the Music. All very consistent in their uh, tone and execution, I feel like. Yeah, how about that Face the Music, huh? Face mm-hmm. the Music is really good. Pretty uh, crazy how good that is. Yeah, like, it. really good sequel uh, 29 years after the second one. I cannot believe how good, how good it turned out, because, you know. Yeah, like, it's impressive. It, 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 like, it, it had no right to be as good as it did 30 years later. But uh, Bill and Ted are timeless. It, all three of these movies, I don't, I don't really tear up at movies at all. But all three of these movies had moments where it was like, oh my god, I'm tearing up. <laughs> uh, just I don't know. There's something so sweet and earnest about them. Boy, if there's just a really great, really great through line in these movies of just these these two uh, dum dums being always very optimistic about their what they're doing, even when they're playing death in battleship. <laughs> yeah, the, these movies rule. I I love what they did with uh, Missy in the third one, who was yes. Uh, oh, like yeah, when that happened. Yeah, when <laughs> who was what, was immediately on board. Yeah, Bill's stepmom in the first one, then Ted's stepmom in the second one, and then married Ted's little little brother in Face the Music. Excellent. 
It was also Beck Bennett. Yeah. They, uh, they, they tried to dance to the weird song. They're like, oh, we'll make it work. Also, Connor, you were right about the weird song, even though it's supposed to be like on purpose bad. Pretty good. Fucking rules. The I like that song. in the theremin. Pretty good. Oh. I liked it. It's certainly better than the actual song, which was pretty lame, honestly. The actual yeah. song is just fine. Uh, yeah, I think I liked almost everything about that movie and was pleasantly surprised, especially that many years later. But I was so disappointed by the final song. Yeah, I, they built it up so much. I don't think. Well, it's tough. Really like, good. it's impossible to actually do one. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It just felt two of this specific era. Yes. Mm-hmm. The daughters are so good. Their, their daughters are so well casted. They're amazing. Yeah. They're named after their dads. Mm-hmm. I, I like that they're named after each other's dads. Mm-hmm. So T- Ted's, Ted's daughter is named Billy, and Bill's daughter is named Thea, Theodora, Preston. Excellent stuff. I mean, they are basically just one big couple, which they even imply very heavily, which I fucking love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they go to, they do go to couples therapy, uh, Bill and Ted and the princesses. They live next door to each other, like literally next door. Yeah. And and they they refer to themselves as we when they talk about their relationships at all times mm-hmm. <laughs> to their wives yeah, in marriage counseling, being like, "We love you guys." Yeah, yeah. yeah. You and I love you. And uh, Dennis, the the murderous robot, was fun. God damn, I I loved him so much. Mm-hmm. I really like Dennis. My name is Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> It's just the slow reveal of him going from like a scary robot to what he is is yeah. so well done. Yes, you do. I, which I I looked up after the first, after the fact. He was played by Anthony Kerrigan from uh, Barry. Which, yeah, Noho Hank. I love Noho Hank so much, and so no the second Hank. he shows up, and Connor told me, I was like, yes. Oh, that, that was so good. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this is just very cute. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun to watch again. Perfectly timed, wholesome, fun movie. Mm-hmm. And also, I think all perfect uh, lazy afternoon movies. Absolutely. Oh, you don't have enough, like, because I think, you know, we, we both enjoy uh, plenty of characters that are, like, assholes or, you know, not always happy movies. But, like, these two are just so, like, lovely and, like, pure of heart and nice. Mm-hmm. The best it, way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Bill and Ted in like a very earnest and like non-tiring way are just very sweet and positive characters that I love to watch. Same. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last thing I watched, uh, I'm pretty sure, was something that you and I both watched, and then we talked about a little bit this week. Brooke was uh, unpregnant. Yeah, I, I that makes me really happy that you also watched it. Yeah, I uh, I was scrolling through HBO. I was like, you know what? This looks fun. Uh, it's a road trip movie. Road trip teen movie. It, yeah, it is a lot of fun. Um, so it, it just came out. This is a 2020 teen movie. I remember hearing about this announced a while back. And so when it finally dropped this week, I was like, yeah, I'm watching it. Um, is a 17-year-old gets accidentally pregnant, but she lives in Missouri. And there's nowhere, not only in her state, but also several states near her state, that will allow somebody that is under 18 to get an abortion without, like, parental help. Mm-hmm. It's 
road trip with your uh, your old friend from growing up to get an, or- an abortion, basically. Um, and wacky hijinks ensue on the road. Yes, they drive to Albuquerque in... What was it, a Pontiac Firebird? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... I genuinely do want there to be more good abortion movies or ones that are like, it's not this horrible, depressing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it from the perspective of it being something that's not only dealing with the fact that it's getting horrible regulations now, but also that it is something that teenagers deal with. Yeah. They don't like, even when it happens, they don't like make it like a big, like huge, like a uh, dramatic deal. Mm-hmm. Like, when they finally get there, like, most of their ordeal was just getting there. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I, I think I rated it higher than I probably... Because it was really cute. It's a cute teen movie, and it's it's a good message, and they do it really well. But, like, mm-hmm. I think I rated it kind of high just because I'm so excited that this is being made. And that there's going to be, like, teenagers that watch this that then now have more knowledge about how this goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you see it happen. Like, you see the abortion happen, and it is so, like, not that big a deal. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a procedure, and then it's done, and then they're going to get, uh, I think, breakfast food? I don't quite remember. Yeah. They're getting food. <laughs> with their yeah. new buddy. Mm-hmm, with the, <laughs> them and Giancarlo Esposito. It's got, yeah, it, it's a cute cast. Um, there's a lot of really fun scenes that I enjoyed a lot. Like, I enjoy them at the carnival a whole lot. Mm-hmm. When there's the, the race car driver played by, what's her name, Betty Who? I think so. Okay. She's a uh, musician, so I've heard of her referred to, but I don't know any of her stuff. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, the best friend who is driving her, uh, gets to make out with in a local carnival uh fun house mm-hmm. that's fun uh and uh Brecken Meyer shows up as you know just a guy yeah, yeah. i don't want to spoil what happens with him to anyone who's listening but uh you know Brecken Meyer's there so it's it's definitely had a little of that like cuz it's part of how we brought it up the other day when we saw each other was that it does some stuff where they feel like younger people of now. Um, but it doesn't lean so hard into it. Like a lot of teen movies I'll see now where you just see like text bubbles pop up on screen and they talk like people who don't exist. Yeah. It's pretty, I, I mean, we'll see in a couple of years, but I feel like pretty good as a teen movie and not like immediately like horribly dating itself. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a whole lot. I hope they make more movies like this. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would love to watch more teen movies like this. I, I'll, I'll keep watching teen movies as long as they keep making them. <laughs> I hear it. I have so many for us to watch. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Perfect. And I'm also done with everything I watched this week. Okay. I watched so much stuff. I am going to speed through so much of this. Because um, we did talk a little bit about it the other day. Uh, I have started a new venture of watching all Adventure Brothers in a row. Um, I'm most of the way through season one. 
The only thing to really bring up here that we did not already bring up last week was the... I, I've seen most of these, just not in any specific order. Um, I, watching the pilot was very odd, because I don't think I've ever actually seen that. Oh, yeah. It's... Um, it's, it's strange. Yeah. It feels so different. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Like the bones are there. Um, like you can tell what they're going to aim to do and they do a good job of doing that. But like some of the humor is like a little not okay. Um, I, I mean, it's kind of like that for the first couple of seasons, but like the, yeah. the, the pilot, especially you're right. Like yeah, they really uh, go hard. Like the animation is sort of there, but so not quite that it's like a little unsettling. Yeah, Doctor um, looks all fucked up. It looks like Flash. Kinda, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's fucking weird. Um, I will say, don't let that deter you if you've never watched it and you want to like sit and watch them, especially because we did sort of group recommend that last week. Power through that first episode or two, and then you'll be like in a better zone for sure. Um, but yeah, that pilot was interesting. Yeah, still watching Taskmaster. I watched some Fishing with John as well, which is a show that I will gladly talk about in length another day, but I love it oh, so yeah. much. Um, just one season long. Fantastic. John Lurie just fishing with his various friends, and it is a delight. Yeah, I watched the two-part uh, John Lurie and Dennis Hopper hunt for the giant squid in Thailand episodes. <laughs> it is just a good time. Like, there's just so many subtle little moments. Like, they both buy the same hat. And then just wear it. And that. That just brings me joy. <laughs> like it is great. such a an odd meditative show that I wish more people loved. Um good news is we talked the only the only television show in the Criterion collection. Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. That makes some sense. Um yeah. So it was kind of it for, for main TV a watching, but I watched a shit ton of movies. Luckily we've already talked about some of them, so that'll Make this go way faster. Um, I started out my week with Having Wonderful Time, which I hate the title because it's just Having Wonderful Time, not A Wonderful Time. Um, From 38, it is just a really cute, breezy, less than an hour and a half, 70-minute long rom-com with Ginger Rogers and Douglas Fairbanks Jr. Um, And it's just nice. It is... Like, they have fantastic fucking chemistry, and I wish that he did... Um, like so, so many more of these types of movies because it was just lovely. Um, but yeah, she goes to an adult summer camp in the Catskills, which I wish like shit like this still existed because the concept is she just is like a stressed out 20 something year old who just wants to meet other people her own age and have like a fun week somewhere. So they just have adult summer camp. And like everybody's just like hooking up and they're it just seems nice. Like there's fun. That sounds, that sounds fun. That sounds yeah. Fun. Like and it is party at that adult summer camp. I think it would be really nice. Like not a deeply expensive, just fun adult summer camp. Like you go to the woods and you just meet a bunch of other fun twenty year olds. Um, in recent years, I have seen some people do stuff like that. I've seen ones that are like hyper themed. Like I know that there's a John Waters summer camp that I would gladly go to. <laughs> um. But I don't know if there's ones that are not, like, weird, like, rock and roll, fake, uh, making the band summer camp. Um, like, I see a lot of those, but not just come to the Catskills and hang out in these cabins. Um, but yeah, it was, they're great in it together. Um, 
lots of nice, like, rounded out side cast that isn't used quite well enough, but not bad. Uh, one of her bunkmates is Lucille Ball. Another one is Eve Arden. Both lovely, but kind of underused. And uh, Red Skeleton is their, like, entertainment director at the camp, so he just keeps doing, like, hey, this camper eats his donuts like this, and this one eats their donuts like this. And everybody's like, that's great. This guy's amazing. Um, this is the height of comedy. Basically, it is really fucking silly. They do that, like, three different times. Different things that he just emulates different campers, and that is just, like, five-minute blocks of the movie. Um <laughs> a little odd yeah there's parts of this that haven't aged super well i think that's why it's one of those like 30s rom-coms that kind of came and went but just totally harmless really cute um ginger rogers and douglas fairbanks jr are fantastic together um he's just he's a waiter at the camp who is trying to go i believe he's gonna try to be a lawyer but he's like kind of poor fucking hates rich people and he is the best I have so much. Um, mm. Yeah, so that was just a very cute movie. I followed it up with um, the Otis Redding section of uh, Monterey Pop, which all of Monterey Pop rocks. Um, it is amazing. And Otis's section may be the best, just because it is... It it's... may be the best concert film ever made. It's funny. It's just, he's so fucking amazing. And just the way it's shot, too, is like fantastic especially with i've been loving you too long it's like mm-hmm. that's all you need he fucking gave it, that guy 25 minutes and he mm-hmm. completely rewrote the history of soul music basically basically yeah and it's fucking great it's also like the last uh recording like live um footage of him performing before he passed away and uh yeah, it was like right after, wasn't it? That he It was a uh, few months. Yeah, less than a year. And uh like that's it's a shame. Like he died way too fucking young, but at the same time, like that's a hell of a way to go out. Like he's incredible. And yeah, so I've seen it many times before, but it was just kind of a nice it's still a little warm out. I always want to watch this kind of watch. Then mm-hmm. followed it up with the um Documentary from 1982 called Say Amen Somebody that is just all about um, gospel music. And it was exceptionally fucking cool. Um, it focuses mainly on uh, Thomas Dorsey and uh, Willie Mae Ford Smith. And I had already heard of both of them, but I didn't realize that's who that was when this started. Because this documentary is more of like a... Kind of like a Les Blank style documentary where it's not talking heads. You don't have like lower thirds graphics. There's no graphics at all. It is just, you know, the director, George T. Nuremberg, who also did the um, the tap dancing documentary that I watched recently. Um, what he ends up doing is just much like Les Blank, he will just go into a specific culture he's interested in and just spend a ton of time with them before he even shoots anything. And then by the time he's like shooting the actual movie, they're, like, familiar with him. He's just talking to them in their home. They're hanging out in their backyard. So it, it feels a lot more lived in. Um, but you just basically follow kind of a, a time, like, a small time frame at um, a specific church. 
and them doing like a lot of different gospel music. There's a ton of just insanely good, beautifully shot performances in this. I was super excited to find that the entire soundtrack for Say Amen Somebody is on Spotify, and I have absolutely been listening to it, and it's very good. Um, yeah, because everybody is an amazing voice. I mean, that's the thing about gospel music. Even if it's not quite your thing, um, it is hard to deny the talent that a lot of those singers have. Mm-hmm. And you just have all these really amazing people who are like at various ages that you never really see people like that perform as pop artists because they would never have been sold in that way. You have all these really interesting people. Like one of my favorite of the groups is the O'Neill Twins, which are these two like middle-aged, very large black men, identical twins. And they are very fun and flamboyant, and they do a song called Jesus Drop the Charges. It is so good and incredibly funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those ones that a lot like the tap dance documentary, it's hard to fully describe, because I think it, it might seem too niche or too like old school for certain people, but it is just fucking gorgeous. And it really good looking, the music is amazing, there's really good interviews. Um, like, a lot of the women in the movie who are these phenomenal powerhouse singers see several scenes with them dealing with the men in their life. Uh, for one woman, it's her husband, and he's basically like, well, like, how are you gonna, like, tend house if you get to go to Europe and sing? She basically smacks his ass down the most polite way possible, where she's like, I've always wanted to go to Europe. I'm gonna get to do it and sing. I'll be back in a week. Grow the fuck up. <laughs> like it was oh it is just really good um not mistaken i think it's like a milestone or millstone production i'm trying to remember what uh group makes these because it's just usually a lot of stuff that is very um of a specific culture and some of the stuff is kind of just of a bygone era to a certain degree at least at this level um it's no longer that they're not singing for mega churches they're singing for like somebody's church Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is just such a cool fucking movie. I feel very lucky that I got to see it. I think when I logged it, um, it is still at like 200 people have seen this movie. Damn. Um, you know, more people should. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I was on Pregnant. Um, I rewatched one of my favorite Bread and Ginger movies, Follow the Fleet. Uh, not much to write home about, just really cute. I've seen it a bunch of times. I think it's one of their underrated ones. Uh, definitely not one of the big, well-known ones. And part of that is because when I first watched this movie, I absolutely loved it. But the first half of the movie is, like, so good. But by the second half, you kind of don't love it as much because uh, Fred Astaire's best friend is played by Randolph Scott. And he's such a fucking dick that, like, I want to kill him for most of the movie. Um... <laughs> It's also very funny because that is um, basically Cary Grant's boyfriend and he has like five or six lines in the movie where he's just like, girls, what do I need to do with those? They don't interest me. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's right, buddy. Um, but yeah, it's it's a cute one. Um, some really good dance numbers. I absolutely, I think one of my favorite Fred and Ginger numbers ever is uh, Let Yourself Go, where they uh, do a dance competition and it is just really cute. So that's a, that's a nice one. Um, I watched a movie from 1967 called Young Americans, 
And I need to take a few minutes to talk about this because it pissed me off so much. I fucking hated this movie. Um, it is the only, outside of sort of what happened to La La Land, um, it is the only Oscar-winning movie to have their Oscar taken away. Oh, really? Yeah, so they won Best Documentary, which it shouldn't have, because this movie is very clearly incredibly poorly scripted. Um, this is just a, a shitty mockumentary. But um, it was given the award in, like, 69, because it was supposedly released in 68, but it was actually released in 67, so though no longer eligible. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't have won, because it is so fucking bad and fake. It is about, like, a group of children, like, teens that are in a singing group called the Young Americans. And so it's just, like, them, the whole first half is them sort of joining the group and auditioning, and then they're practicing, and then they go out on the road, and then they have all these adventures on the road. Um, and their choir director looks like a, I don't know, like a demented Brad Dorf. And I hate him. I hate him so much. He's such a dick. Wrote this. Um, these are all actors. At, like at one point, I'm watching it and I'm going like, "Oh, that girl looks like Mama," and it's Vicky Lawrence from fucking Mama's Family. And I was like, "Oh, that makes sense. She's just always looked like." How did this get past people enough to win best documentary? No, because it's genuinely really fucking bad. Like the shit they write is weird. Um, the beginning seems sort of plausible because it's just auditions. But at one point in the auditions, the most talented girl they have, she is just like, he plays a bunch of like tri-chords and other shit, and she just names every chord he plays. Like, sight unseen. Like, she's just really fucking talented for somebody who's like 15. And then he walks her out to the car and he goes, so we know you're the most talented person in this group, but you just can't dance. You just don't have the look. Uh, good luck. Maybe next year. And then she sends a letter being like, I've been taking dance lessons and I, you know, I really hope you guys are doing great on the road. He's at dinner with a stranger and goes, this girl tried to get in the group, but uh, she's a little pudgy still. And she's not. They, they put that in, the, like they wrote that. It's not even like a dick thing she just said. They put that in there. Um, there is like, like the kids go down the road. There's a whole section about them dating, which is very weird. Um, they will often just be in different locations. And, like, my favorite one is, so they get to, like, Boston, and they're in the park, and they just start, like, talking to people, which is fine, and then they just start breaking into song. Like, there was literally, like, I don't remember if it was Boston or New York at this point, but they were in a city, and there's these two guys having, like, this whole conversation about, like, like, a moderately philosophical conversation or debate about, like, you know, being anti-war, but how do you treat veterans kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And they just start singing a disgusting version of Hallelujah. Oh, God. They, like, it sounds, sounds incredibly it, legitimate. I hated every minute of this. I kept getting angry. Um, most annoying children ever. It's great, though, because they start singing Hallelujah. Like, they interrupt this guy who's making an, an interesting point just to group sing this at them and then there's just some guy playing chess in the park who just makes the most what the fuck face like why would why are they doing this um they're at like a state fair and they sing and this little girl goes 
Oh, I, I heard that you lost your dog before you had to go on tour. I, I got you this. And she goes, what is it? She knew what a hamster was, this 17-year-old girl. So the little girl explains what a hamster is and then gives it to her. And she's like, well, I can't take it. I'm on the road. And she's like, you should take it. So she takes it and it starts living out of her purse. She was right in being like, I should take a fucking hamster on the road. Because then two scenes later, the hamster dies. And you see her pull a hamster corpse out of her purse. Then they stop the bus. And then she buries it on the side of a random road. <laughs> okay. I know you said you hated this, but I kind of fucking need to see this. It's so fucking strange. Like, I was so mad this whole movie. Um... Yeah, they just keep going places and aggressively singing at people. Like I think I like I never make notes for shit, even though I should. And I have so many on this, and they're all so incoherent because I was incredibly angry. Um, these are the most obnoxious people um, terrorizing the public with song. Really embodies uh, the creepy theater kid vibe. Um, they sing in a prison, which is one of the most fucking bizarre scenes. They have a group of teens who just go into a prison and sing like shitty theater music at them and like shake their asses. And you just see all these like actual prisoners like hooping and hollering. And you're like, this is uh weird. Hmm. Um, huh? Yeah. It, them? Cause it's supposed to be like for their benefit. And, uh, this awful blonde child, he, um, like checking into the prison and they're like hey you beeped in the machine he's like oh it's my harmonica and he keeps it like in his like kind of like shoe area like where you would hide a weapon he's like do you always keep it there he's like well yeah and then just starts playing harmonica aggressively at the fucking co's and it's just it's so weird yeah i literally like later in the week talked to my therapist about this movie not because it was that important to me, but because it came up. And um, I bitched about it so hard that she kind of fucking lost it. And I was like, yeah, all right. And I'm so glad it had an Oscar taken away because it is not a documentary at all. Um, yeah, so that was that, was that one. Um, I've been doing shits in of these concert movies because they're playing on TCM. So I followed it up with a weird experimental documentary about Elvis called This Is Elvis. Um, it was made in 81. It is of cheese. Like, I, Elvis had a shit ton of fucking problems with him and his career. Um, and they sort of touch on them, not enough, but some. Because he is such a weird bit of Americana. Like, there's... Mm. So he many really people. There's so many people still obsessed with him. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I genuinely really enjoyed visiting Graceland because it's just so interesting. Like it is so strange that this is just a person who like captured so many people's attention, and how fucking kind of weird and like tragic his life was. Some of it's his fault. Some of it's not. It was interesting. So the beginning part of this movie is you just have basically an unseen. And then eventually seen various Elvis impersonators doing the beginning part of his life. Um, and then oh, yeah. you pick up to him actually making things. They just do a bunch of like 
old footage and behind the scenes stuff. And it's narrated by a fake Elvis, basically narrating his own eventual death. That rules. That sounds mean, great. Yeah. It's, it's campy fucking masterpiece shit. Um, I got like 10 minutes in and was like, oh, this is very interesting. Um, they do talk a little bit about the whole like him stealing black music. And he cops to it and then even says the line, well, you know, the guys at the studio were real excited about me because they wanted a white guy who could do black music. You're like, you wonder why? You wonder why in the, you know, 50s South. It's a thing they're looking for. Weird. Yeah, and then they just have all this, like, old footage of all these white people in America being super pissed about Elvis and then calling him the N-word. Uh, like, <laughs> like yeah, real Jesus. footage. Like, this was apparently a, a, a time, like, an when he first came out, people kept kind of, like, throwing that word around in regards to his performance and his music stylings. Which and is half true. Yeah, but it's really strange to see actual people say that and like the half footage of it is um That's the fact that there's footage of that is wild. I there's a lot of really weird footage in this. Um you I knew that Priscilla was young. I forgot they met when she was like thirteen. Oh yeah. Oof. Yeah, I knew it was young, but like not that fucking young. Um, and he immediately just moves her into his house, and her parents are just cool with that. He was trying to impress Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat a fucking thirteen-year-old cousin, like you know, for fucking weird Southern shit. But you know, he tried. He tried, goddamn it. He tried. Real quick, uh, Miles, before you have to hop off, because I know you should be getting to bed soon. Of course, I am an old man now. Yeah. Uh, do you have any rec you want to give us? Get enough sleep. I recommend the medium of sleep, not doctor sleep. Don't watch that. I haven't heard good things. Sleep. Oh, all right. Sleep so you can watch more things. Uh, I'm putting that that down as I'm putting that down as sleep's dope smoker. So close enough. Word. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> right. The Riffield land. For the first time in this podcast history, I um. concede. I will say before you go, there's a whole section on Elvis doing karate that I just think you should see. <laughs> um, and right, they with him fighting over like footage of him fighting horribly. That does sound very funny. It was very good. I can't wait to find out what your wrecks were on the next episode of. Ooh. Nope. He's and gone. he's gone. Oh, he fucking Irish goodbye. His exit. Yeah, was... God damn it. See, it it wasn't even Irish goodbye because he was still talking. If he hadn't he, responded to anything, he was just, doing an outro. If he just, yeah, yeah. I kind of thought I would just never hear Miles again while we recorded this. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get his wreck real quick, so at least we've got Dope Smoker by Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> good call. Good call. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to Elvis. Yeah, this. I genuinely, honestly, would recommend this movie because it is just um, campy gold. Uh, you learn a lot about him. There's footage of him talking with his boys where they're like, he just keeps talking fucking weird sex stories. Well, he's clearly still married to this child. Oh, uh, man. There is a scene where he like 
he greets a big crowd of people ex like entering this building that they're going to go do like a show or something. And they get inside and the hallway, he just goes, Oh man, that girl last night, she gave great head. And you're just like Elvis. Jeez. Wow. Okay. Like I knew you were like this, but it's weird to see the footage. <sighs> like his, yeah, he and his friends are so fucking gross. It's amazing. Um, it's like when you hear the actual call uh, recordings of LBJ talking about, how he needs more room in his pants for his huge balls. His bunghole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Got nylon through and fingering. <laughs> God, I fucking love LBJ. Oh, Our Such most a Chad president. Yeah, it is amazing. But yeah, it is. It goes all the way to the end of his life, and there's like you get fat Elvis, and like him just starting to be sweatier and fucking weirder, and it is. Yeah, it, it was worth watching. It was a nice little catch up on the king. Does he at any point in this film eat a fool's gold loaf on camera? Unfortunately, no. But you Shit. do. They do wholeheartedly reference him getting heavier and him being fucking weird about it. Like it was yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a good campy doc. I followed it up with a bunch of other shit. I'm gonna try to speed through some of these, but I think. The more important thing to bring up is I watched uh, Robert Altman's MASH. Ooh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had always meant to see it. I love the show. The show's very fun. Um, this was weird to watch because you do have, obviously have some of the same characters played by completely different people. Mm. So that was like, oh, okay, that's so-and-so. Um, you still have Radar, which is nice. Um, same guy. Sutherland as Hawkeye kind of fucking works. Um, Elliot Gold uh, as Trapper John. I fucking love Elliot Gold. I think I might just be in love with 70s Elliot Gold. I am too. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> he is so fucking cool in this movie. Um, yeah, it was just genuinely really funny. It took me a little bit to get into it because I'm so used to the show. Because the show just kind of took this on completely. Um... It's also really fun to continually hear the lyrics to Suicide is Painless, as opposed to just hearing the instrumental TV option. It is, it's definitely an Altman movie, it feels like it. There's, I don't remember a ton of the show's, like, plot lines, but most of this movie is just, like, them dealing with the actual surgeries, which they make pretty fucking gnarly in the movie. Um, rightfully so. But then the rest of the time is just them pulling increasingly inappropriate pranks on each other. Yep, that sounds like that was most of the show too. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. The tricky thing is, is there's definitely some shit in here that doesn't age well. That I knew that the second I went to go log this, there would just be tons of new, new film fans being mm -hmm. like, "I cannot get my head around how completely sexist and racist and homophobic and everything else that it is." And I was like. Yeah, like it's there. But maybe consider who it was trying to portray. Exactly, and it's like it's from 1970, and like this is not all that outlandish of why, a. Why weren't the troops in Vietnam more woke? Exactly. Like, well, as you know, uh, if a movie portrays something, it it is explicitly endorsing it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's why in every Martin Scorsese movie he comes on f on screen to say that he personally endorses it. Yeah. We didn't really discover that until about 2018, and I honestly think film discourse has definitely been much better for it. 
Yeah, uh, once once we notice that he does have one of those scenes in every one uh, of his movies. Yeah, uh, Robert Altman, examine that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Buddy. Yeah. There are definitely times when I was like, oh, wow, yeah, can't do that now. Um, but I still fucking really enjoyed it. Like, the acting is incredible. Um, everybody's really fucking funny. Bud Court is in it, which makes me so happy. Uh, nice. Yeah, like it is just, just like Robert Duvall is really good in it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of just fun shit. I I kind of understand why this became huge. Also, really funny. I'm watching this and there is a scene where so one of the soldiers despite having three fiancés back home come to the conclusion that he might be gay and therefore he should kill himself, which is you know, a very appropriate response. Um, but also keep in mind, this is supposed to be fucking like Korea. This is not <laughs> right now. Not, not okay then, but like understandable. Um, he thinks he might be gay. So they give him a fake suicide pill and hold basically a living wake for him. That is really well shot and very funny. Like, there's a whole fucking Last Supper section that is shot like the Last Supper. And then they put him in an, a pre-made casket and have uh, one of the soldiers sing Suicide is Painless. And the guy singing looked super familiar, and I realized he was one of the kids, my favorite kid in Young Americans. Oh my god. Full circle. What a what a what a fucking journey you took in terms of people in different movies. It took me like forty minutes to find out who he was because I've been like I was looking online. I was like, "That's that kid. He was the best singer. He had a great solo in prison." Um. (laughs) Yeah. So all in all, I like I the Mash movie was very good. I think I think you'd enjoy it a lot, Connor. Um. Uh, Yeah, I really want to see it. I've wanted to forever. Thoughts on Criterion right now? Yeah, I still I, my fucking review for it was um, how much I really like. There's a scene when they're having a party, and they open up a uh, an army trunk that is just like human blood, blah 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 specimens, keep safe, and they just crack it open, and it is just full of PBR. Hell yeah! It's like I want that trunk. Hold my fucking beer in. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so. Follow that up with a Les Blank movie. Nice, short, fantastic one. I've not seen. I've never not loved his, a movie of his I've watched. Um, there's different levels, but this was a very good one. This is Yum Yum Yum: A Taste of Cajun and Creole Cooking from 1990. It is just a bunch of Cajun people making amazing food for a half an hour. Wait, that sounds delightful. Yeah, there. I, I yeah. Could not have been more pleased. Every moment was lovely. It's well shot. There's a bunch of really fun people. Lots of good recipes. Um, lots of like Cajun cooking and Cajun music. So no complaints there. And then yeah, the- I, I, I really need to watch as much Les Blank as possible. I yeah, I still really, really just want to be Les Blank when I grow up. Like everything he's made is entirely the kind of thing that is just like my favorite stuff in the world. Um, he is just the coolest. 
Yeah. So lastly is something that we watched together, which I think would bring yes. up your stuff, which would be big time. Yes. Waits is big time. Uh, only underviewed and not super available for a long time. What is big time about? It's, uh, so it's a concert. Like it's, it, it's Tom Waits, but okay. Yeah, concert it, film. It's a concert movie captures him. Uh, in I want to say 87 or 88. So fresh off of like Frank's wild years and Swordfish trombones, kind of that era of Tom Waits. And it is a, Extremely weird experimental concert film. There's, you know, some straightforward-ish performances of stuff, but then also a lot of weird interstitial bits where Tom Waits is playing various CD Tom Waitsian characters, like the guy the the guy that sells tickets for the concert is also trying to sell one of like five or six watches on his wrist. <laughs> Or a uh, like a fire and brimstone preacher who has like a domino mask on his face that lights up. Like every every look in this was amazing. Yeah, from him to his entire band. Yeah, honestly, it is just a very aesthetically pleasing movie, which makes the fact that it's only available on, as like a shitty VHS transfer is infuriating. Yeah, I think that's why I gave a half a star left, which is partially my fault that I should have had my glasses on. <laughs> you keep well, it's not even glasses. your fault. It's the fault of every single 35mm print of that movie is in a private collection. It has not been restored since it got put on VHS. And it looks like shit. Like over 30 years ago, I assume that was. Yeah, right, right. And I, I feel like if it was properly restored and given... You know, the attention it deserves, I think it would be much more renowned and acclaimed today than it is. Mm-hmm. It captures, in my, for my money, the best era of Tom Waits when he was really fusing his, you know, hobo circus music with his weird experimental theater outsider art stuff. Just tremendous effect. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. A song, I don't remember what song it is for, but it cuts between him performing on stage and him uh, smoking a cigarette and tossing cards into a hat in a bathroom. <laughs> He's just so fucking cool. So fucking cool. Tom Waits is my hero. His stage presence is unlike any human being I've ever seen. He moves like a snake. <laughs> Remember from talking about it, like, he's somehow avant-garde and cool, but also just, like, some weird fucking... Like, he's a man. Like, he's the fucking coolest. Yeah, he, he, he can combine, like, rootsy, you know, kind of cultural anthropology stuff where he's doing just kind of throwbacky blues music or whatever with this weird streak of fucking, you know, Tom Waitsness. Yeah, like that. Yeah, like it never feels like it never feels pretentious. Mm-hmm. Mm. It so easily could in anybody else's hands. Yeah, he, oh, I, oh, I think only he could make this work. Hundred percent. And obviously, the music is fantastic. Of course, of course, it doesn't have it, it. There's honestly not that many songs over the runtime of that thing, just because it cuts to other weird shit so much, so often. 
but the songs that are in there are all are all terrific. Cool. You know, he closes with "Innocent When You Dream," and he's singing it in a shower on stage. It's all good, but that scene is maybe the best. Yeah, well, it's probably my favorite Tom Waits song, and he's just crooning his fucking heart out in a in a bathtub with a bubble machine going. It's so cool. That is really cool. Yeah, highly recommend to all the Tom Waits heads out there. And whoever owns one of those prints needs to fucking die off so we can have it <laughs> restored to its former glory. This is what our heist is going to be. There we go. Just start liberating movies. Mm-hmm. I would, absolutely. I would, I would shed some blood to make that happen. How much blood specifically? Because... Uh... <laughs> Enough, not enough to be legally actionable. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh, but Brooke, was that it for you? Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. I watched okay, all- I- some of it. Yeah, this one's going long, which is good because I only have like three things to talk about, uh, and only actually no. Now that we're down to that, uh, I only have two things to talk about. This one is I watched Casablanca again for the first time since I was in like eighth grade, and you know what? It's it's good. <laughs> Still good. I don't have anything nuanced to say about Casablanca that isn't on like the fucking AFI top 100 list. It's just really good. They don't make them like they used to, and it's it's weird knowing that that movie was not supposed to be this. Oh, really? It wasn't supposed to be like a cultural behemoth. It was just one of the fucking dozens of movies the studios put out every week back then, and and it's just so well done that. Ended that it just happened to accidentally create a perfect storm. Exactly, you know, mm-hmm. respect. There's so many good people together, though. God, I forgot how fucking stacked that cast was. Mm-hmm. To call others. <laughs> I mean, you got to go with the star first. All right, well, first top billing goes to call Peter Lorre. Should have been in it more. He should be everything. Be more. So Claude Rains is amazing in it. I love Claude so much. God damn. Green Street, King, Among Men. It's it's cool. I mean, you've probably already seen it if you're listening to this show. But if you haven't, you should probably get around to it just so everybody will, you know, shut the fuck up about it. But uh, beyond that, the only thing of note I watched was um, <clears throat> Criterion right now, the channel has a big collection of the films of Albert Brooks. Mm-hmm. who I love unabashedly. And I watched his, his directorial debut, Real Life, which, speaking of mockumentary, is a mockumentary supposed to supposed to parody the uh, the 12-hour PBS thing, American Family, that aired in like the 70s. It was kind of the precursor to reality TV. This features Albert Brooks as himself trying to cash in on that and make a similar movie. With this, you know, all American family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that all American family happens to include Charles Grodin and. Yes. Which, holy fuck, Love two dry senses of humor together at last. Oh. I was dying for like this entire runtime. It is extremely uncomfortable. Honestly, what it really feels like is proto Nathan for you. <laughs> okay. 
that I mean it's obviously staged in a way Nathan for you isn't necessarily but like it's that similar level of just uncomfortable guy cashing in on weirdos thing mm-hmm. and you're you're watching this family just kind of slowly lose their minds because there's cameras everywhere recording them all day there's a great running gag where Albert Brooks invests in top of the line cameras from Japan that are like over the the like entire upper body of the cameraman, so they don't, <laughs> it's hands free. So just in the background of like family fights or like drama, there's just a guy wearing like a fucking robot head, standing right next to them. <laughs> it's just, it's really fucking. It's just really funny. Word words cannot properly do it justice. You should watch it and and everything else. Albert Brooks available. I am so excited to watch so much of what they put on. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch some Amber Brooks. I gotta watch some more Varda. They just put some more on. Oh hell yeah! God, I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real life was incredibly funny and dry and dark and everything you could possibly want out of an Amber Brooks mockumentary. Oh yeah, he might be the best part, just as an incredibly over the top, shitty version of himself. At one point, he can tell that the family is sad, so he shows up in a clown suit, but the kids are at school. (laughs) (laughs) And the parents want to have, like, a serious talk with him about how this isn't working out, so he has to sit in the clown costume and talk all this out. It's it's fucking awesome. Oh, that sounds really good. He's amazing. I love him so much. I was going to say, just at one point, uh, if is super not into doing the movie anymore and and starts freaking out about it. And Albert Brooks calms her down and she starts coming on to him. And he thinks that's going to compromise the integrity of the movie. So he just starts treating her like absolute shit until she hates him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that that does feel like a Nathan for you kind of reaction. Just that's what it reminded me of watching the movie. It's, it's, it's similar to that, but you know, not one-to-one, obviously there's some major differences. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan. Albert Brooks is a genius. Mm-hmm. Watch real life. And that's all I got. Yeah. Save short and sweet for last. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I knew I was going to go long. But I watched so much shit. Mm. Nothing to feel bad about, man. I Cinema. When I said I didn't think we'd go two hours. <laughs> yeah. It literally be the longest episode we've ever done. Oh this, no! Oh, this definitely is. Sorry, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> everybody. Uh, what was... uh, we're, it'll be better next time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Rex, let's let's get the shit out of there. Oh gosh, yeah. Anybody got any ready to go? Yeah, I um, I'll go music because I've been I've been digging into fall playlist making as is the time of the season to do. Absolutely. I have been listening to a lot of one of my favorite Leonard Cohen albums, his Phil Spector collaboration, Death of the Ladies Man. Very nice. Those two guys should not work together nearly as well as they do. And yeah. And when it came out, everybody hated it because it sounded nothing like either of them. Mm-hmm. Check it out. <laughs> that is a very good... I mean, anything by him is not bad for fall or winter, ever. It, yeah, it was really hidden. Perfect. 
All right. Do you have one ready to go, Eric? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, it's it's not on Spotify, and I was hoping it was, but I would say uh, the Nerves. Uh, do you guys know who they are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar. Good, good uh, power pop trio from the mid seventies. Uh, their uh, self-titled, I think, I think it's an EP. I think it's just four songs. Uh, self-titled EP, uh, The Nerves. Uh, it features the song Hanging on the Telephone, which, you know, was yeah. later a huge hit for Blondie. I love their version, though. Yeah, their version's so good. Um, that EP is fantastic. If you like Power Pop, which... I do. You know, it's always good. Uh, I love, I love me some even modern power pop. Like the thermals, I think are technically power pop, but yeah, the nerves are great. They were like really early West Coast like punks. Hmm. Yes. Um. Yeah, I think I'm gonna keep things going with music and actually recommend new music for like the first time ever. Uh. I really like Ron Gallo. I got into him a few years back when I accidentally saw him live. Um, I could hear him in the woods when I was doing something, and he was playing a show, and it was good. But what got me was at one point he just starts like in the middle of his set, starting to do like a spoken word singing version of "You Gotta Be" by Desiree. Ooh. I was like, "Oh, hello, you're interesting." Um, and then I saw him live, and he was fucking fantastic. Like, I've not seen somebody with that much, like, entertaining energy in a long time. At one point, he stopped everybody and made them, like, do, uh, like, meditation chants with him. Ooh, uh, too much moshing, we're going to meditate. So we meditated for, like, a while. <laughs> um, he played so hard, he broke every guitar he had, like, at least a string on each. So they start restringing one of them so he can finish his set. So he starts a Q&A portion, like impromptu. Mm-hmm. And starts like giving these deep philosophical answers to incredibly horseshit questions. Um, so I was like, yeah, I've, I've been a fan since. So I listen to a lot of his shit. He's one of the few people to keep up with. But he just released an EP today called Please Don't Die, um, which I listened to like, twice before we all uh, got on uh, the phone today. And I like it a lot. Um, it sounds like him. It's a lot of fun. A dancier than the rest of his shit, though. Um, there's actually, like, beats and stuff in this, which is sort of interesting. But, yeah, pretty much any of his shit I highly recommend. But mainly the new EP, Please Don't Die, by Ron Gallo. Cool. All right, yeah. well, that'll do it for us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this has been... Content media. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> uh, if you want to email us, email us at contentnazuyapod at gmail.com. Please. Do it. Yeah. Just talk to me. I just want to talk. 